You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. I'm back again, and I do not have Michael Hayes with me, and I'm so sad. It, it does feel less joyous without Mike here. I just, I have so many questions. I still have more questions about Captain America. Like, when they were storyboarding it, did they really just draw up two scenes of him, like, being carsick? And they just saw them on the same board and were like, mm, that's good. That's fine. Here's what's interesting. I saw a thing on IMDb <laughs> that said they actually cut two additional <laughs> scenes where he pretended no, to be carsick. That, 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 I, I refuse to believe that they've shot more of that. I, I need to talk to Matt. He Sandler. also, that's... That's how they got to Europe. He pretended to be uh, airplane sick, and then when they pulled the plane over, he got out and stole the plane. <laughs> That's so good. I need a scene where where he's like t- he's like tied up inside of like Red Skull's tank, and he's like, "Oh, Red Skull, can you pull over? I'm so sick. <laughs> I'm so sick. I'm surprised he didn't try that with the rocket. <laughs> just hold on, guys. I'm I'm gonna be rocket. Oh sick. shit! I need you just to. I, I, yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> get into the. It's so dumb. Oh, Jesus Christ. That, that movie, they shot that movie with no fight scenes. There was like two. And they were like, uh, yeah. like tw- two minutes. Okay, it's a whole thing. Just, you, you gotta, the, the most- just, just, just go onto YouTube uh, on the link we gave you if you follow us on Facebook. And if you don't follow us on Facebook, fuck you. Uh, and, and just like skip through Captain America. Just like watch like moments of it and you will just be stunned. Especially the latter half, which you can hopefully uh, 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 see some of our favorite characters, which we dubbed the fashion fashionista, the fascist fashionistas. <laughs> it is uh, a level of insanity that I, in a way, maybe you should watch. I know. I think we both, I think we all said at the end not to watch it, but maybe just skim through. Yeah. It. It's pretty absurd. You'll never see a Captain America fight so little with a shield. Movie. <laughs> it's almost as if the shield was an afterthought. But that's last week. We do highly recommend you listen to the episode. Uh, Mike Hayes is always a great guest, and that movie certainly lended itself to a lot of great jokes. So go check that out if you haven't listened to it. I insist. And if you haven't, if you don't follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash naospod. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> so seamless. Rocking the hell out of this social media. Make sure to, <laughs> make sure to smash that like button. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe, bro. So we are taking a step away. About four years of a step away from our previous movie, Captain America, released in 1990. And instead, we are watching one of uh, the 90s biggest child stars slowly squander that that level of fame and success. Um, yeah, see a child just disappear <laughs> from the face of celebrity. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's an amber alert of a film. Um <laughs> <laughs> the the film we're talking about, and well, sorry, the boy that we're talking about, uh, a sentence that I don't like starting, <laughs> I don't like starting a sentence with, um, is, is, is it's usually <laughs> a sentence that isn't going to end well. Looks, officer, the boy that I'm talking about, um, Macaulay Culkin, obviously known for his Home Alone movies, and uh, um, I guess what was it the Good Son, Den- Dennis the Menace, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I forgot that was a movie. Uh, it, it started in a um, a film that people forget is a comic book because there's no reason to ever remember it. And that, of course, is Richie Rich. That's right. A comic about a really rich child. Nothing, nothing really endears you 
to your audience like being a obnoxious rich child <laughs> yeah yeah literally his entire world was about just a boy who just like carved things out of gold and like swam in a, like a pudding uh like a pool just filled with pudding and just like dreamt of, of fucking dollars that's uh something all children can associate with i I don't get it. We were talking a little bit before this podcast about Archie, uh, Archie Comics, which is one of the longest running like comics from, you know, back in the day that never like updated itself because Richie Rich never like tried. Besides the movie and TV show adaptation, it, as far as I know, it did not attempt to like catch itself up to modern times. Right? I think it just tried to do this bit as long as it could make money off. Of Archie, it. yeah. I mean, like just in the last three years, have they tried to? make it to the modern world as we know it and um i don't get it I, it's <laughs> at least archie has like uh i don't know it, it it it's made some attempts and it's got characters and they've managed to adapt it into various mediums but richie rich like who the fuck gives a shit? i mean let's be honest it's a, it's a kid movie right like the richie rich has no bearing on someone of our age it's not meant for us it's meant for kids were you able to make it cool but um, so far, that has not worked, and this movie is a testament to that. Um, I was also doing. Oh, it's it's real bad. I, I was doing. Hopefully, I was doing some quick background because I couldn't actually think of when Richie Rich became a thing. And it's uh, as I thought, it's in the fifties. It, it came out <laughs> in a, a comic called Little Dot. Um, I think it was a competing character in that you know comic book that we all know and love and have posters on our walls of. Uh, and then became became a full fledged comic after that. But whew, this movie, this fucking forty million dollar movie, four times the budget of Captain America. Forty million dollars is that what you just I said? Sure did. Forty million dollars in nineteen ninety four. That's correct. That's absurd. That's so much money. It made thirty eight back in box office. So. That is is equally a shocking. <laughs> we've made more than three. Well, we're talking ninety four Macaulay Culkin. I mean, I think that kind of star power just gets you there, you know. I yeah. Well, I mean, I can't imagine there was a lot of kids in ninety four. Like, oh my god, finally a Richie Rich movie. But <laughs> the character I've always dreamed yeah. of. Yeah, nothing's more action packed than a uh, like an aristocrat child. <laughs> it's just, just it's just something for everybody. Uh, <laughs> when did Home Alone come out? It was like uh, earlier than that, 1990. Okay, I, yeah. So four years earlier. So still, I'd say he's got some heat. Wow. Yeah, he's got some heat, and not a great career decision by his. No, no, no. But don't worry, don't worry, because there are a few pro screenwriters escorting the, our our favorite boy through this this cinematic masterpiece, and those. Are Neil Token and 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 Jim Genoan, who are known for and here we go. Here's some hot shit. Jury duty with Polly Shore. Oh God damn it! <laughs> it doesn't matter any with the, any movie as long as it ends with with Polly Shore. It's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, how about <laughs> how about Schindler's List with Polly Shore? Um, yeah, he's like, oh no, it's not the good one. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, what if there was just a bunch of remakes with Polly Shore? With Polly Shore. So, like, what do you... When, like, the Holocaust bad. With, Ooh, you hear what the fuck they would say is? Why are you wheezing on the juice? There you go. Oh, man. 
That would be amazing and depressing at the same time. Can you make me a Wheeze and the Jews (laughs) t-shirt? Please. Again, a shirt which I don't feel like anyone will wear. Alright, alright. Also known for, um, frankly, a... uh, a famous from my childhood, from 1988, License to Drive with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Corys. Um, they also brought you the cinematic marvels known as um, Major League, wait for it, 2, uh, and, oh. and, <laughs> and the Flintstones. Wow. Yep. They were responsible for one of the worst sequels to a comedy in the history of all cinema. Well done, guys. Those are our screenwriters ushering into this uh, this beautiful piece of comedy. Um, I think we're in for something worse than than Captain America. I'm going to be straight with you. I'm really concerned about this one. Uh, this one was on our, our master list that I almost got rid of because I couldn't think of... Uh, in my head, I can only think of the animated Richie Rich cartoon. So I was like, oh, we don't do animated. It's part of the bit. It's not as fun. Um, but, uh, nope, this is the fucking live action movie that literally everyone forgot came out. So, um, Pokes. Or never knew in my case. Have you seen this movie before? No, I, I literally did not know it was a movie until we made the master list and me and you were going through it one day and I was like, that's not a movie. And I had to go, Pokes, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> my yeah, friend. I, I thought the same thing when you put it on there. I was like, Ben, I think that's a cartoon. And you were like, no, no, it's live action. I was like, oh, Jesus. So, no, I've never heard about this movie, seen this movie, until you just told me who else was in the movie I didn't know. <laughs> our, our fa- everybody's favorite lawyer from Night Court, really riding that success. Jesus rate. Christ. It's just, it's just an utter disaster. So I've got a question for you. Um, what yes. do you think this got on Rotten Tomatoes? This is a question I haven't asked you before, and I think I'm going to start. Um, well, I got $38 million, which is a lot of money for this. In my opinion, <laughs> I'm gonna say maybe like a let me, let, maybe like a sixty percent. Let me give you some help here. Um, the same year, uh, the Mighty Ducks D two, the Mighty Ducks came out. Sorry, once again, I got I got D two, the Mighty Ducks came out, and that was given um, a twenty one percent. Oh, then I'm gonna say this got like a thirty five. Uh, a twenty four percent is the is wow. the official score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, just, to, just, just to give you a piece, I was looking at some of these reviews and I'm so happy. One of them, I think just from an amateur reviewer, just like someone with like a fucking blog, um, wrote like a, uh, God, it's like a 15 sentence review on like a tan blog spot. It's really painful to look at, but, but the one line, it's his own paragraph. Um, it says, um, it says, also, on a small note, why do they put so much lipstick on Culkin in some of the scenes? <laughs> I understand the greasy kid hairdo, but not the lipstick. I know his lips are red. I get it. <laughs> what? His lips aren't red. That, he, had, he has 15 sentences in this review, and that warranted two. <laughs> oh my god. How could a... 15 sentences? How does that even count as a review? I don't even know. I don't even know. But now I want to add a, a quick brief segment uh, to our show that I think I've established in a previous episode, which is um, Roger Ebert, RIP, but you were bad at this, <laughs> which is my part of the show where we realize that every movie that is literally the hottest smelliest trash we've ever seen was given a three out of four stars by Roger Ebert. Did he review any movies poorly? Like, I, I don't know. Like, 
What was, uh, there was one movie we saw recently. I'm, I'm honestly forgetting what it was, uh, but it, 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 he, he gave it a three out of four, and, and that's imp- it was lit. Yeah, I can't remember what it was because I remember you saying it, and I was like, that can't be true. I can't remember what movie. I mean, we've done a lot of garbage recently. Right. It's <laughs> so it's hard super to, hard. It might have been Spawn. I, you know what? It was Spawn. He gave Spawn like a fucking four out of four star. No, it was three out of four. He gives everything a three out of four. He gave Richie Rich a three out of four, and he called it like a, like a, a fresh take that he enjoyed tremendously, even though he's, it was not the target audience. Um, it, it, it goes on about the performances. Like, it's a, it's a glowing review. I, I don't understand how that's even possible. Like, I, I, I'm a little young, I guess, because, like, Roger Ebert I know of, and he was present and uh, all that, but I don't remember. I, I do, why did he get so famous for reviews? <laughs> did he do something? Well, the, he, Roger, <laughs> what am I missing? Uh, Roger Ebert, they had that TV right. show, right? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he with Cisco? Cisco and Ebert, yeah. I think... I think that's the only reason they were famous. It's just they had a TV show. Yeah, I guess that's probably And it was like, you know, I mean, in the 80s, it's not like you could go online and read a review. You know what I mean? Like, you literally read a review in a newspaper or a magazine or you watched this TV show. So I think that's just like they became like the guys who review movies. And that was just their thing. And then as, you know, the internet became a thing and you could get reviews anywhere and from anyone, they still maintained, you know, it's sort of like uh, with Leonard Moulton. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's still known for, but it's like, he's not really, I don't know, it's not like you're like, he's so insightful that it like blows your mind. Because the problem with movie reviews is that they're really only accurate if you have similar taste to the person reviewing. You know of course, I mean? like, yeah. But... It's, it's art, it's subjective. So somewhere somebody loves Richie Rich and they're like, that Roger Ebert. But it's so strange because. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you go on a set like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic, you have to like scroll past a like, just a, a, wafting like parade of bad reviews to find like the three like on Rotten Tomatoes it's literally three fresh ratings at the bottom of the page and one of them is Roger Ebert and two of them are like deleted author like it's what is that (laughs) what is that they've been wiped off the face of the CIA anyway like we're pretty sure this was domestic terrorism because these people just suggested bad movies. So um, we checked, and Richie Rich is available on HBO Go if you have it, which I think most of us do, um, just for Game of Thrones and Richie Rich, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody um, has. It. Uh, so everyone cool and worth mentioning has it. So there's no concern about Aww, that. I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 not like Captain America where it's only available on YouTube. Um, which I'm sure it might also be available on YouTube. Who knows? But you can also rent it on Amazon if you don't have HBO. And of Google. course, as always, I do my best to describe what you're missing. So you can just tune into the episode. Come on. Like and subscribe. Yeah, you barely even have to watch <laughs> please, please smash that smash like button. Uh, also, though, while looking to see, I, I, I've i been trying to remember to double check where these are available before we do the mini episode. And I went to Netflix to see if it was there, too, which I assumed it wouldn't be. But... Netflix made a Richie Rich TV they did. show in 2015. I was like, you've got to be kidding No, me. after we get off this episode, I, I fucking double dare you to watch the trailer. It's, uh, it's some, ooh, it's some, it's some, it's some, it's some, it's some like, like fucking from the depths of hell shit. It's, it's, it's real. <laughs> it's real rough. It's some Cthulhu I'll have to check this Lovecraftian. Out done. Like, I'm pretty sure it cast a curse on me. Um, it's all about the uh, the unknown horror of the of existence. Yeah. 
Uh, but let's. I feel like Richie Rich could be an Eldritch Horror. Let's move on, folks, because uh, on this mini soda, I think we got a few pieces of news to share with each other. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, mine is somewhat old news well, now because yeah. we were actually somewhat ahead when we recorded last when this came up. But I wanted just to sort of get your opinion. Uh, a while back, about three weeks ago, DC announced they were going to do a standalone Joker movie, which would be an origin story, which was an interesting thing and and martin scorsese is going to be one of the producers which is odd to say the least but what became even odder was dc then announced that the movie will be a standalone joker film and will not be in the dc cinematic universe canon meaning that the joker will be played by an entirely new actor and it will not be jared leto's leto's whatever the hell his name is not his Suicide Squad Joker, to which he is very displeased, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. But does this not seem like a horrible idea? Because what do you do if you make this movie and this version of the Joker is really popular and you're just like, shit. Like, do you just somehow work him into the movies? Like, this, the cinematic universe? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why you think that it's time to spin off DC. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you spin off cool shit when you're you're sort of on steady ground and you wanna you wanna get more of that that energy you got. Now I know that like financially DC movies doing fine, but they're they're not known for a stellar reputation. I think across the board. I mean, Wonder Woman no. Wonder Woman was was received positively. Um, people are still jazzed about Justice League because it's characters they haven't seen yet. Mostly, I would say. But I don't think a lot of people. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't have to justify my opinion here. But the the online response, mostly to Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, is wildly negative. Although I'm sure I'm yes. sure that Roger Ebert gave both of them three out of four stars. But um, it's it seems like maybe just like lock down Justice League and then like I don't know, just keep going with what you got. Like what, I don't. The, the thing that's also weird is like usually if you're gonna do a spinoff. It's because you introduce like the Joker and everybody if everybody had been like, Oh my god, this Jared Leto Joker is the best. This is so amazing. Oh my god, I wish he had his own movie. Then you're like, Oh, we should make a movie with this character. Not be like, we should just make a different version of that character in a standalone film. And then you wonder, is it like so isn't Batman probably gonna be in the Joker movie? Because his origin, unless they create a whole new one, has Batman in it. So if that's true, they gonna cast a whole new person to play Batman because there's already talk that they're gonna get that Ben Affleck's not gonna keep doing Batman. It's like all over the place. He says he is. Then they say. Then he comes out and says, "I'm not really enjoying making these movies." Then DC's like, "Well, we may want to switch out Batman." I mean, it's like all over the place with that. But it's like, are you just gonna cast all of the people in the DC universe over again to make this Joker movie? And then what's your end game if it's successful? You just keep making movies in that. I mean, it's just crazy. I think it, it really opens the door to like shoot themselves in the foot if they make like a really great Joker film and then they can't put that Joker in the cinematic universe because they're stuck with the one that is subpar, in my opinion. Uh, another interesting piece that I dug up on this was that um, in talks about this new Batman, a Joker origin story coming out, an origin story movie coming out, um, there was a comments from Darren Aronofsky. Are you familiar with that? Black Swan, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pie, etc. Um he, was he is he Black Swan? Wait, am I right about that? 
I, I forget. Uh, anyway, um, but but he's a pretty acclaimed director, mostly for his you know uh, uh, really intense, often sometimes body horror esque, like not like horror, but you know what I mean, like like very intense uh, um, mental thrillers. Uh, he apparently had a pitch for a Batman Year One project back in the late '90s, uh, and he 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 made indications during an interview recently that it sounds like the Joker movie. Um, t- is, is is taking a lot from that idea, uh, which was super interesting, and I'm so fucking mad that we never got a Batman Year One interpretation from Darren Aronofsky. Um, yeah, that would have been uh, probably. I highly recommend listening to or, or looking up the Slash Film article about it. Um, it talks about uh, both that and uh, the Slash Film is great, and they do this uh, series called Tales from Development Hell. Um, uh, no, sorry. There's a book that they're recounting here, uh, but but they uh, they recount this fucking failed production, and it's insane. Darren Aronofsky uh, had intended to uh, I'll just read the part here and envisioned a Travis Bickle like Bruce Wayne who grew up in, as an orphan in the crime ridden streets of Gotham, donning a ski mask, cape, and brass knuckles to fight criminals. And then <laughs> I told the studios I'd cast Clint Eastwood as the Dark Knight and shoot it in Tokyo. I might. I think I may have seen why they decided not to go with this because even in that time period that they you're talking about, Clint Eastwood would have been very yeah, old. <laughs> he would have been all well of that. Past the age why did that not get Bruce made? Wade. But I think um, what he's commenting on is the Joker. I think they're doing more of like a on the streets, like starting out Joker, and thus similar Batman. So I, I think that's the what the reference he's making. But um, a- anyway, I, I thought it was really interesting to read about, and I highly highly encourage looking it up. Uh, Fuck, that's weird. <laughs> that is. That sounds very much like the Superman lives. So, um... Like, just like a oh, very yeah. bizarre take on a superhero for no reason. Uh, another another quick quick little piece of news that I, I found encouraging is um, uh, Patty Jenkins is back to direct Wonder Woman 2. Um, yeah, oh, that's good. She did. I know she was, like, one of the last holdouts. Yep, yeah. So so I'm pretty I'm pretty fucking amped about that because I know I, I, fans of the podcast will be well aware that we uh, we were crazy about this. Um, and uh, she's working with the guy who did the recent Godzilla reboot, I believe. Yes. Uh, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, that movie wasn't perfect or anything, but it was certainly cool to look at. Uh, so I'm excited to hear about wh- where that takes us because I think we... I think DC's uh, Wonder Woman was, like, one of the few... That the that the that DC succeeded with, so um, I hope they keep going. I hope Justice League. Yeah, I mean, like, stop. I feel like Wonder Woman may end up being their Iron Man. Yeah, you know I mean, like their character that is like the character that kind of ties the universe. Together. Yeah, maybe they. Maybe, you're right, and it, it's like the fan favorite. That's an excellent point, because yeah, Iron Man was sort of like this glue early on when there was just like there was these like weird loose Spider-Man movies, and then there was like. You know, you know, Hulk and Thor, and they all just sort of like floating in these little islands. And then, yeah, they uh, Iron Man tied them together, and then was able to lead up to the Avengers and really get the MCU on the ground and running. Yeah, and he's sort of like the the fan favorite character. I feel like because I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact Robert Downey Jr. is like pitch perfect as Tony Stark in those right. movies. But I, I mean, like looking at this, there's a chance they're going to recast Batman. The Superman movies are garbage. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, they're they're not good movies, and he's not Superman. So I think she's like the only character that you're like, yeah, I could see that. Although people seem really jazzed about Jason Momoa being Aquaman, so maybe he could be. But he feels like he might be the Captain America. 
yeah i mean like the the like the other character that people like and is humorous and and then the other characters will just be like you know the the characters no one remembers like the ant-man and stuff but i'm I'm interested to see what they do with wonder woman because i would almost like it if they did another period movie like i think that would be more you're right i would i would kind of miss it if they did like they went out of that yeah I would really like to see them do one set during World War Two to just be like how she comes to grips with the fact that killing Ares did nothing. That like that she realizes yeah. that man is in and of itself the real root of the evil in the world and that Ares was technically right when he told the gods that man was evil. I think that would be like a very interesting Damn, Pokes. continuation of Shit, that. Shit, dude, why aren't you ready for Wonder Woman too? Because that's, I just have the idea. I need somebody with talent <laughs> to write dialogue. And but I think that would be, because that was something in the film that, that was like my main complaint. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I think I mentioned it is, like at the end, it seems like killing Ares, or, you know, the, the, the soldiers are all hugging and you're like, oh, so it worked? But we all know, historically, no, it did not work. Because I'm going to guess World War Two happened in, in the DC I'm universe. I'm racking my head. I can't think of any wars after that, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. So I'm like, unless they live in an alternate reality than we live in, which I guess is possible, but it seems <laughs> unlikely to say. How least. boring would be the DC movies that follow that in which there was no war or like strife? <laughs> yeah. It's just like her getting a job at a museum, faking her own death every like 40 years, and then coming back as like her like Highlander yeah. part or TV show where he's like, I'm his son, Joe. Bruce is just like a real bored billionaire, like you're just looking for an outlet. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, last piece of news that I would be completely remiss to, well, miss, but, um, uh, David Arbor, David Arbor, uh, the guy most notably recently from being the sheriff on Stranger Things, um, was cast as Hellboy, we talked about it a while ago, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as of, like, two days of recording, before this recording, they, um, released a cast photo of him in full costume, and... What? It's, um, it's, um, it, cause you haven't seen it, I'll shoot you a link. It's been pretty fucking hot as hell. Um, uh, specifically Mike, Mike, uh, is it Mike Mignola? Is that right? Uh, his, I always say it Mignola, but I actually read an interview where he said it's actually pronounced Mignola or something is the, the G sound in Italian oh, is actually a that makes Y sense. or something. So I've been saying his name wrong so often that I just gave up. Well, tried. Mike Mignolia, uh, he, he posted just, holy crap, first look. And uh, the Hellboy, uh, the Hellboy social media account, like was tweeting out like "Holy shit!" Like people were just kind of jazzed about it. Response has been, uh, uh, I would say, pretty pretty warm. <laughs> people are people are very interested. Uh, with oh, if this is the image I'm looking at, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. It's way more. I'm not really a fan of the arm, but otherwise, I'd say our friend uh, friend of the podcast, Chris Chris Doom, uh, was commenting on it, and I know he had some uh, initial hesitation. He kind of liked the softer like kind of features that that they had for the original uh hellboy character um because it was nice to have hellboy having that dichotomy where he's both a badass but then like you know likes kittens uh but uh i'm just i'm digging it man it just it just looks it looks fucking sharp and like the the um the cast and crew behind this and and david Aubrey himself is fucking awesome so i'm pretty i'm pretty amped this is gonna be we need pose we do a lot of shitty movies i need a couple of them to be good I, I need this movie to be good because we discussed when we did Hellboy. Hellboy is hands down my favorite comic book character. Of oh all yeah, time. I think it's some of the best stories ever told. Mignola's or however you say his name's art is like to me the pinnacle of like just the kind of comic book art I love. His style was so unique and interesting. So 
I want this movie to be good because I love that series so much. And it would work as a film. So I'm really holding... I mean, looking at this, it is pretty sweet. So hopefully it is amazing. Thank you for telling me this is out. I never Oh, this is why we did this podcast, so that you and I can have a private... This is the only reason this I This is the only reason podcast, the podcast, so you, can tell so me you and I can have private conversations that somehow like, nine people listen to. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Uh, so I... <laughs> That's all I got for you today, folks. I hope your mother doesn't listen to this. We swear so much. <laughs> that's a, uh, uh, I think that's, to keep it a mini episode, we're going to have to cut this call short, buddy. Yeah, well, next week, uh, come back for Richie Rich, if you make it oh, through God. it. Uh, if you want, again, I'll mention facebook.com slash naospod. You can follow us there. We post some stuff. We also have an Instagram now, which hopefully, Ben, you got that message I sent you with the password. Yeah, um, let me just read it out right here. I'm seeing... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll be trying to post some stuff there, and i got to figure out how to link it to our Facebook page, but it's NAOS Pod. Uh, I'm going to try to post some stuff there, see if we can get some movement on uh, another social network site or social media site. And I guess until next week, whatever.